Welcome back, everybody, to the Mouth and Off Sports Show on 91.5 WBIMFM Radio. You can call us at 508-531-1303. It is Tuesday, October 15th, and we're going to get started on Patriots and Giants, another win for the Pats, and I am joined alongside by Jonathan Sullivan and Zachary Lacey. How we doing, fellas? Doing well. Pretty good, man. Glad to be here. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, just... uh. Opening thoughts, you know, we can get into the nitty-gritty all we want. Uh, what are just our initial thoughts from that Thursday night game? We all know those are always fun. They were predicting a nor'easter of, like, rain and wind. The rain didn't really come until the following few days. It was kind of windy, uh, but just your overall just initial thoughts on the game. You know, a good win by the Pats. Um, can't really take too much out of it, though. you got a beat-up Giants team. they got no Saquon, no Ingram. Like, defense isn't great, so it's our D looked good again, and uh, yeah, just good all around win. Jonathan? Yeah, I mean, it wasn't the prettiest win. I mean, the offense still has its troubles. I mean, we'll talk about that, but once again, I mean, with the exception of a Golden Tate deep ball, I mean, the defense just continues to perform. Bunch of studs, another touchdown, two defensive touchdowns, um, one off the pump block, yeah, right? Pump block, yep. One return so those are both defensive special teams but just you know defense in the offense is the is the big thing and the Patriots defense is really helping their offense I don't know how good their offense would be if they you know if they had to start every drive you know pinned within their own 20 but the way the defense is playing I mean defense turns into offense and you can win that way in the NFL. Yeah, and that's kind of been their mantra for the large part of the season against most of these bum teams. It's the offense does enough to get you by. The defense and special teams just is on a whole nother level that is just outweighing the rest of the league by far. In terms of defense, it just it doesn't really come close. And that's like one thing I'm just st- still concerned about. You know, I, we kind of been harping on it the last couple weeks about the offense. Going back to like the Bills game that they barely won, that they pretty much gave the Bills every chance to win that game. This one was, I mean, it was a one-score game until the fourth quarter, and Brady did not look all that great. His stats will tell you otherwise, but just by the naked eye, he did not look good. Uh, Through that pick to Janoris Jenkins, that was just yet another Brady pick that makes you scratch your head. Not really sure how he's throwing those types of picks, like the one in the end zone against the Bills. Stuff like that is just very un-Brady-like. His demeanor... And uh, with the media has been very clear, the tone has been very you know low, not nearly as positive as Brady usually is. And this is kind of how it's been since Antonio Brown was cut. He really, his tone ever since then has been pretty much the same. And that's something I think just to keep an eye on because the trade deadline is a week away now. And it's like at some point you got to really decide, all right, are we, we bring back Ben Watson, but... This offense needs something, clearly, because, yeah, you're going to get Nikhil Harry back. He's practicing. That's great. He can't come back until after the bye week, correct, Uh, week nine. So you get that, but really, ultimately, that's another young receiver that Brady hasn't really worked with. Uh, I guess the young guys don't even get to work with Brady all that much. They're like Guys like Myers and Olszewski are kind of been on the practice squad, like working with Stidham mostly, I guess, during the week. So I just look at... A game like you're going up against the Giants, a rookie quarterback, you're at home, I know it's Thursday night, but it should not be a one-score game going into the fourth quarter. That's unacceptable, especially the way this defense has played and has bailed you out against crap teams 
The Bills aren't quite crap, but against that team, divisional opponent, that game was way too close, closer than it should have been as well. So that's like where I'm that's where I'm at. Something needs to change. There has to be a change of pace with this offense because otherwise your defense can only take you so far in this league, in this era at least. Yeah, it's gonna be interesting to see. They have a plethora of defensive linemen that are good and not all of them get to play. It'll be interesting to see if they try to move somebody, pick up an offensive piece, a tight end or a Delaney Walker type, possibly. Wow. That's a sexy name. Yeah. I mean, he's not doing too much. He's under, I think, 40 yards four out of five weeks this year. But, you know, maybe the Titans want to cheer up the defense a little more. Could be a name to watch out for. I wouldn't I definitely would not mind that. I think they, that's where they would go first, like, take away from their defense where they don't need it, like Michael Bennett. Yeah. And obviously, it's he's been one of the topics du jour. I mean, he his snap count just goes down week after week. It's very low now, and his his comments don't bode well either. You right. know, when you say, go ask Bill, that's not usually a good thing for a guy. It doesn't usually bode well for his future. And he is a crazy talented player, but I mean, one, they don't really need him all that much. They've shown that by their actions with his workload overall. And B, that's some money that, or just a guy, an asset that you could expend, and you'd be able to help out Brady a little bit because, like, let's all be honest. I mean, no matter like what happens with Antonio Brown, even if he gets cleared in the next two weeks, I st- I feel like he he already burned that bridge. You know, even though as much as I'd like to say, hey, if things work out, bring him back, like I just think he's burned that bridge with the Patriots. Those tweets that Sunday morning after he got cut, like. I don't know. He would be a guy I would look to first, especially post-trade deadline, but I don't know if the Patriots would kind of eat their own pride, you know, so to speak, by bringing him back. If they keep winning games, I don't think there's any way he comes back. If they end up maybe dropping in the Jets this week or Browns and say they're 7-3, and 7-4, and four, then I think Bill can put some pressure on uh, Kraft if he's really wants to get Antonio Brown back. And, and Brady, too. Brady is ultimately... It's one thing, like, Belichick putting pressure on Kraft is like, you know, those are more butting heads, I think. And But Brady putting pressure on Kraft, I think that's more like... Kraft would be more apt to listen to Brady just because I think their personal relationship is much stronger than Belichick with anybody in that organization. But, yeah, it, it would be an interesting dynamic to have because... Like, what we've seen, too, is, like, Brady keeps liking all of his posts. Antonio Brown posted that meme picture of Wolverine laying in bed holding, like, the picture of him in a Pats uniform, and Brady liked that one. I mean, you got to think, like, he's kind of like, hey, it'd be really awesome if we still had this guy on our team. It'd be great for our offense. But now, I mean, you got to rely on Edelman to get you nine catches for 100-plus, and that's, that's great. Like, I know he has the capability, but his body, I don't know how well that's going to hold up over the next – you know, we're at week seven, the next 12, 13 weeks. Yeah, so, I mean, he's on the injury report every week yeah, with something his ribs different. Or his hand, like it's something always. And I don't blame him. The guy takes shots. He, like, literally will go in the middle of the field and he'll take huge hits. It doesn't matter. So obviously, he's going to get banged up. He's on the wrong side of 30. But, man, it just, it's tough to watch an offense like the Patriots struggle against a team like the Giants, keeping a rookie quarterback albeit looks like he gets it looks like he could be something but you're you're keeping them in the game you're keeping the bills in the game until like the last few minutes like that's that's gonna 
like you're not going to get hurt by that now, but you're you're going to get hurt against the Eagles, against uh, the Cowboys, against uh, the the Chiefs. Obviously, like again, I love the defense, but they need a little bit of help too. And no more Gostowski. Insert Mike Nugent. That just makes things a little bit worse, you know. Right. I mean, it's fair. And going back to Zach's Antonio Brown theory, I mean, it, it's it's a fair theory although i i don't think there's any i they could drop every game the rest of the season and they they're not going to sign antonio brown again that's what that's, it feels like yeah that's just my opinion and then on michael bennett do we want to say what happened to him today i mean did you see yeah what he wasn't on the him? practice field today either not only was he not on the practice field but they suspended him for this upcoming week oh i didn't see that i was in i was in class <laughs> conduct detrimental to the team yeah i guess he got into a fight with defensive line coach brett bielema oh god and, okay uh, yeah. well Write his ticket out. Yeah, I mean, I this announcing that he's suspended by the team, I mean, I feel like that hurts his trade value as well, don't you think? You know, yeah. I mean, everyone, everyone knows he's a bit of a controversial player to begin with, but I don't know, just, just seeing that it couldn't work in a system like New England, you know, maybe it's too rigid, you know, straight the line, he's a colorful guy, but I mean... I don't know. I think it hurts. I think it hurts their value if they're trying to move them. I think it just this could just be a failed experiment. I mean, it it looks like it is. I mean, I I'm more. I mean, the snap count thing, you know, was a was a good theory. You know, week three, week four, but now we're into week six, week seven. I think it's less of a snap count and more of just he's just not fit in the system. He's just not playing. I mean, as simple as that. It's not they're trying to save him. It's just that. They have other guys that they think they put out there and they give them a better chance to win than Michael Bennett would. Yeah, I mean, I think Bill's trying to just tell everybody on the team, too. It doesn't matter how big of a name you are. You're not immune to getting suspended because you're not following our team rules. Especially going back to the summer when uh, Bennett had to miss practice or whatever for a family personal thing and Belichick, like, allowed it and he excused it and Bennett, like, right afterwards, like, oh, you know, he he's a human. He cares about the man. Like I'll do anything for this guy. And then you get you juxtapose that with this now, and it's like, man, like those comments. Yes, like they were nice to see at the time, but at the same time, dude, that that leash only goes so far. And you know, if you're gonna be bad for the team in terms of like press wise, media wise, go ask Bill that kind of thing. And like the whole zero rule, like he that kind of joke he he made there. I think, yeah, like Bill, at any given point, will send a message. If he sees it it fit, 2016 trades away Jamie Collins. Everybody, like, up in arms about it at the time or demanding answers and, oh, it's what's best for the team. Turns out he was, he was right, ultimately. They won the Super Bowl. But it's like little messages and statements like that throughout the season or the offseason that kind of help shape the identity of the team, keep people back in line if they've stepped out of line just a little bit. Just a very Belichickian thing to do. So, yeah. And it's like, all right, this is probably like the final warning. Like, all right, this is it. Like, we're suspending you. Anything else, and you're gone. Like, we'll we'll cut you or take the cap hit. I don't know. But I, I don't rule anything out with Bill in terms of the team message, the team philosophy, everything like that. We all know that's been a very core staple for them overall as a team, how they operate throughout the past 20 years. So it's not any different now. But, yeah, so with whole Michael Bennett thing, still an asset. Does it hurt his trade value, like you said, Jonathan? 
I don't. I think that's like they, a second, you know, thought an afterthought for them. The first first thought is message to to the team. What is like? What do we represent? How can we uh, make sure that message is heard by everyone? Yeah, I mean, Bill doesn't mess around. I don't really think it hurts his trade value very much. I mean, teams that really need pass rushing, they know how good he is, and if you can just get him into a system where you just let him go and just let him wreak havoc, then he'll be fine. But that's not really what the Pats need, and he's not falling through, and that's why he's not playing as much. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and, certainly not like yeah. the defense is hurting. No, I mean, his absence, that's the know? thing, too. They don't need him at all. Like, they've shown that at least through six weeks. They definitely don't need him. And do they need him against teams like the Jets, who they play next week? Probably not, you know? But, like, yeah, could injuries hamper them at all going forward? I don't really think so. I think they're so deep that, like, yeah, they could take a step down from this dominant defense that they are. But regardless, they get a guy or two to fall down. They have guys that can step up. So... Their defense, for sure, can handle it. Their offense, on the other hand, cannot handle that at all. Like, one injury, we're already kind of shaky here. And one in- injury, like we've said before in past weeks, you're you're cooked. Josh Gordon wasn't on the practice field either today, I believe. So, what does that tell you? I don't know. I think he's just really banged up. I think he's gotten hit a lot this season. He's seen a lot of physicality. And for a guy like in a skill position like that, I know he's pretty big. That's still going to hurt. That's still going to hurt, and he's obviously banged up. But it's nice, too, because they get this sort of extended, almost like a half-by. You know, you play on Thursday night, then you play the next Monday. That kind of gives you a little bit of breathing room, get some bodies, sort of recover just a little bit from all the you know fatigue and the short week. So I've been I do a little like that. disappointed with Gordon so far. I mean, he hasn't scored since week one, and... He hasn't yeah. really looked like the dominant Josh Gordon that we all thought he was. Um, but the guy we really can't lose is Edelman. That I mean, if you lose him, who are we going to throw the ball to? I mean, you got Jacoby Myers, James Gun- White, Gunnar Olszewski. Oh, like, yeah, it was not great seeing <laughs> Gunnar out there. I mean, he, he, he did well for himself, obviously. like He was fine, but it's like, I don't want to have to roll out you know, our punt returner out there. I mean, Brandon Bolden scored a touchdown. Brandon Bolden is yeah. a part of the offense. Looked electric. Brandon Bolden not only scored a touchdown against the Giants, he also scored a touchdown in Washington, too. Yeah. He's a touchdown machine. Touchdown a weak guy. 16 TDs, maybe, if he played the full season. <laughs> ben Watson will get me <laughs> that take the under on that one. <laughs> ben Watson will get me that TD next week. And, yeah, it'll be too late, but I'm telling you. Ben I, think Watson. That, I think the bet rolls over. Yeah, I'll, I'll double or nothing the bet. Yep. All right. It's down. It's down? Yep. All right. on the board. This week or the first when week he plays? This week. As the, long as he's still on the team by, by you know, Sunday night. All right. The, the first game that he takes a legit snap in, that's the game that, yeah, that we go Yeah, because if he gets cut again and I lose because he gets <laughs> cut again, I'm going to be so mad. <laughs> but, no, I mean, on Ben Watson, though, uh, I think from what you, like, heard from Watson himself when he first got cut, when you know, from Brady, too, again, Brady's tone was already pretty uh, melancholic, uh, so to say. And then you cut a guy that's like, you know, he's very close with. He couldn't speak higher about him. A guy that he used to play with when he was younger. Like, man, it's good to at least bring him back in the fold and know that he will at least be a part of things. He was at practice. So helps Brady's mood a little bit because we all know, like, he just he is not the same up 
like optimistic Brady. Things are going well, but we still need to work on stuff. It's very, you know, just weird. It's weird. And getting Ben Watson back in there is good. And I think blocking-wise is huge, too, because Ryan Izzo was horrible, horrible against the Giants at blocking. And in general, I mean, it's not his specialty. I don't expect Ryan Izzo to be a great blocker, but they could really use some help. Devlin's gone. Jakob uh, Johnson uh, on the IR now. So it's like your your old line just needs bodies. It needs like bodies that are capable. And at least Ben Watson is capable, right? I mean, like as far as we know, he can still at least give you something blocking wise. He's not gonna he's not gonna be all world out there, but better than like Ryan Izzo or Matthew Acosta out there. Right. And I'd like to see them go out and you know if they're gonna, I think they should probably maybe cut Ryan Izzo. I know he's in his second year. He's a young guy, but I mean I. I just don't think he has anything, you know, he's too undersized, can't get open, you know, if he was a receiving specialist, then that would be one thing, but I mean, he, I just don't really see anything. I'd, I'd like to see them, for blocking purposes only, go out and grab, you know, Dwayne Allen, someone that knows the system. I know, you know, you're not asking for any offense out of Dwayne Allen, but he's a good blocker. They used him a lot last year for blocking purposes. He knows, as I mentioned before, he knows the system. He knows how they like to run. He knows the type of blocking they like to do. I mean, he's sitting on his couch right now, and you need help. I know he's not an offensive lineman, but I think he could really help blocking. Yeah, I mean, the outside run game has been pathetic. I mean, even really? still, still this week, Michelle had 23 runs for 86 yards or something, like 3.9 yards a carry. It's so bad. It's awful. Yeah. And then the tight ends, they have nine combined catches on the year. Nine. There's oh. six games. Yeah, and can I just... Speak something to Michelle, too. I mean, I was expecting a big year from him this year. He looked really dynamic in that ple- that preseason game, week three that he played. And, I mean, I know the offensive line's banged up. I know they don't have any tight ends. But, I mean, I don't know, man. I don't, I don't know if he has the it factor. I mean, I look at someone like this, okay? They took Michelle at the end of the first round last year. Nick Chubb got taken at the beginning of the second round. They were on the same Georgia team. What running back would you rather have right now, Sony Michelle or Nick Chubb? Nick Chubb. Chubb. Nick Chubb. And it's not even close, right? It's not even close. No. Nick Chubb. I see. Watch this guy every week breaking off big runs. I understand that Cleveland's offensive line is probably better, but I mean, I just don't see Sony Michelle. You know, he had the beginning of the game. They uh, they went like second and two run, third and one run, fourth and one run. I mean, stuff, stuff, stuff. Like, consistently, I just, he just doesn't break out of, like, tackles. When was the last time you saw Michelle, like, you were like, wow, that was an unbelievable run. I mean, I never see him break off the 50-yard touchdown. I've never seen him break off the 50-yard touchdown, yeah, ever. I mean, I see Nick Chubb, either. like, every other week breaking off this humongous touchdown run. I've never seen Sean Michelle do that. No. And, I mean, it's just... I don't know. It's they're putting in Bolden at the goal line. Brady's got Brady sneaking it from the four for crying out loud. <laughs> yeah, it's like clearly, seven clearly, they don't trust Michelle to pick up a short yards. I mean, he's fine. You know, he's good when he sees the hole and stuff like that. But he's just, he's just not this explosive running back that I feel like when you draft a running back in the first round, they need to be a playmaker. They yep. can't, and he's not a playmaker. He will take what the offensive line gives him, but he's not making the play by himself. Yeah, I mean, it's not good. He can't, like, he hasn't been making people miss. The explosive, like, 
part of it, why I think they brought him in, too, and why they used that pick is, like, he looked pretty explosive in Georgia. Like, he had way more highlight plays. Like, I don't know if it was just the way they used him or, like, the talent level he was going up against, if it, you know, he had sort of a more of a gap there. But Michelle, when he was at Georgia, looked a lot more of an explosive guy that was that it factor that could be your hybrid, your true hybrid that can still give you two to three uh, downs uh, of rushing. Not like he's going to be a great uh, blocker for you in, in the past game or anything, but I just thought he would at least give more, especially in the second year, especially after they said they were trying to get him involved in the past game, like in practice and stuff like that. I just thought we would see more of it. We've seen a few, like last week, um, what was it, uh, against the Redskins, like he had a few catches for like 35 yards, but... You know, it really needs to be a bit more so you can bring more unpredictability when he's in there. And it's not like, all right, he's going to run it. Like, if, if they're handing it off, like, it's 100%, you know, going to be a run to Michelle or whatever. So more unpredictability would be nice, too. I think that's a portion of it, too. I mean, when Brady's under center and Michelle's in the backfield, 87% of the time, they run it. It's just wait. Too much. That's way too much. They hey. know they know it's coming, like, and you just bring defenders in, and nobody can block. I would say the most you want that ratio to be is like 65-35, probably at like the most. The very most. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, it's 87. I mean, yeah. <laughs> stack the box. <laughs> They're not passing. Unbelievable. Yeah. I I don't understand. Like, it's just, they could really use that. The running game, they leaned on that last year, especially towards the end of the year in the playoffs. That running game was legit. It really was. And not having Devlin out there obviously hurts you. Now your backup fullback goes down. Your tight ends can't block for anything. Your offensive line's also banged up because you had to bring in, I believe they brought in like four or five different guys right after final cuts uh, with like, you know, Luminor, Corey Cunningham, guys like that. Newhouse. New, yeah, that Marshall guy's Newhouse. Oh. Trash. <laughs> trash. Marshall Newhouse, dude. Yeah, you got just a big group of misfits and – Skarnekia can only coach him up so much, so I like, yeah, when Wynn comes back off IR, that's going to be huge. But the health of that O-line in general just, it's tough. And it's even tougher when you don't have a guy like Gronk that you really now know what you're missing. Because although he couldn't give you much in the past game last year, at least people would still double him. Uh, he would still still attract some attention, enough attention, that it would help guys like Edelman and Dorsett open up or Gordon at, uh, at the time when he was still on the team. But now you have no additional blockers, and then that that's only going to hurt you more. And it's just, I don't know. I mean, Andrew's going down at the very beginning of the season too. Like that, that is just, I feel like that's not talked enough about, maybe just because it's like expected. He's out for the season. We all know that. But like he's been there. He's been Brady's guy at center, under under center, and, I just think that's such a huge loss as well. It just makes things that much worse. And every loss after that, you're just compiling at that point. And Brady, 42 years old, seven rushes uh, against the Giants. I mean, that's a lot for him. Like, two is a lot for him. And now your O-line and additional blockers are very banged up. So. Yeah, seven rushes for Brady is like seven too many. It, literally. He's 42, <laughs> and I know he's been healthy. He's... You know, knock on wood, but, I mean, any hit, you never know. Uh, king of the QB sneak. Right. 
Yeah, he did two. He's yeah from the four. He did what? What two? From <laughs> yeah. the four. From the from four. Like, the like that. That was like wow. They literally don't trust anyone in short yep. yardage. That's scary. So, with that being said, I want Damian Harris. Why? Why can we not at least give that guy a few cracks at it? Like, what's the downside? Right. I mean, it's not like Damian Harris was this undrafted rookie they found from some Division II school. They He's out of Alabama, and they picked him in, what, the third, third round? Third round. I mean, that guy, that, that's a starting running back. You take a starting running back in the third round. It, it, I have no idea why. I, I still don't really understand the pick. Like, why, I, I, why did— I, I thought it was gonna be it was gonna be him and Michelle, two headed monster, but instead it's I mean they're giving Brandon, Brandon Bolden carries right. over here. Why that should be those are Damian Harris's carries, right? You'd think so, but I mean if they're not even gonna play him, I don't understand the pick. Why not go get another offensive lineman or yeah, uh, some tight end? Yeah, or, that's where they should have drafted in the third round. Yeah. The, the third round, you know, Still good players. The, yeah, the third round is you're looking to grab a, a eventual starter in the third round. Yeah, it, it, it just baffles me. Still, we have so many running. We had so many running backs when we picked him, and now they don't even want to let him run. It, it doesn't make any sense. Yeah, right. So I mean, going forward, oh, we got a caller. We'll uh, see who that is, and we'll get him on. So Patriots, yeah, six and zero. Going into next week, uh, let's preview that before we take our first break and get into some segments and the rest of the NFL in general. Uh, I think this week against the Jets, I believe they're favored by like 13 or... Uh, I saw 10. 10? All right. That sounds about right. Um, I like that. It's not... I'm not doing my mortal walk, but I can tell you that's not it because they're on the road. It's Monday Night Football. Divisional opponent. The Jets kind of look sneaky... Decent with Darnold back uh, and Le'Veon Bell actually able to. Here we go again. I'm just saying, <laughs> Bell with like Nick Falk or you know whoever else, Trevor Simeon, terrible. He's not going to be able to be productive, not at all. He's not going to get the looks he needs. He's not going to get the targets or the quality of targets he can get from Sam Darnold. So look for that to be a close, like a semi close game. If the Giants are going to be able to do that. With Daniel Jones, who, again, looks like he might be decent. I don't know. I just see on the road the Jets. It's going to be kind of close, but I still obviously like the Patriots. I don't think if they go down this season to a team, it's not going to be against a divisional team, in my opinion. I mean, I think this is – it looks like after the Jets just beat Dallas, I mean, this this looks like it should be their hardest test to date. No, the Bills. I don't know. The, the Bills' D is actually legit. The Jets' D is not. I don't know, man. Well, the AFC East low-key this year, at least in the AFC, combined record, AFC has the best winning percentage. They're above 500. The AFC East? Yes. Oh, my God. They have the best combined record in the AFC. Well, you have one team undefeated, one team with one loss, and then one team with one win and one team defeated. But name me the last time the Bills or anybody has started off this hot. Right, that, the the Bills would be the if they went by straight records, the Bills would be the two seed right now in the yep. AFC. That's literally ridiculous. I, I don't know the last time we could have looked at an AFC East team six weeks in and be able to say that. I don't know, like, has and that they're happened? Gonna, they're going to win this week too. The Bills. No, 
They're playing the Dolphins at home. Oh, this week. Oh, um, yeah. <laughs> well, their spread this week is actually it's like the highest since it's been for the Bills since 1990, like two. They're favorited by like 16 and a half, I think it is. Yeah, I th- yeah, I saw 17, 17 and a half. I mean, that's fair. I mean, I'm we'll get into those. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm later. just saying it's but crazy the, the way. Terrible, yeah. The, yeah, the Bills aren't the Bills aren't going to lose that game. No, no. no. Um, but you know. I think the Patriots finally will have a bit of a game, which I understand they had a game against Buffalo too. But they should have lost that game against Buffalo. Yeah, no, it was a one-score game, and they should have lost it. They should not have lost it. Brady plays terrible. And the Patriots, he, if the they lost that game, the Bills would have totally deserved that win. The only reason we won that game is because Josh Allen got knocked out of the game. Yeah, cap. They it's literally, the played, they literally like, played better with Barkley than Josh false. Allen. Facts. False. Josh, you're going to tell me Matt Barkley is a better quarterback than Josh Allen? I'm not saying that. I'm saying that in that game, they played better with Matt Barkley than Josh Allen. All right. I mean, right. he definitely didn't <laughs> no. like hurt the Bills, Barkley. But, yeah, Allen, Allen's this big play guy. Like, yeah, the, if the Pats' defense and special teams wasn't otherworldly, they lose that game. Because historically, they've had defenses that, don't really, don't really help them win games that they don't score twenty plus in, and we're in a year where they literally can score sixteen and still find a way to win against another very good defense. So, like I like that, I like that a lot. And I, again, Jets Monday Night Football on the road, prime time, like should be a no brainer. This should is be the best no-brainer. offense that they faced. Fair, which is sad. Yeah. What was that, Zach? This is the best offense that they've faced so far. Yeah. Yeah. And you got Chris Herndon back, yeah. possibly if he's got the hamstring ready to go. And he's a playmaker at tight end. And they got Robbie Anderson, yeah, Le'Veon. Yeah, top off. Yeah. So they got they got some guys that can do a little bit. Um, it should be an interesting test for the for this defense now that they finally get to face a, a real quarterback and a legit number one running back. And uh, we'll see if they can actually they can hold up again. Fair, very fair, very fair. So, any other thoughts here on the Patriots? Like looking back to the Giants, the Jets, just general thoughts. Because I know we've spent a fair amount of time. Well, we got another caller. Just gonna see who it is and if they want a song or anything, or if they have a quick take that we can get on the air. We'll be right back. All right. So that caller was. Our good friend and mortal enemy other show won't be named on the air, Nick Brown. And he just wanted to he wanted to see if the phone patch thing was down or if it was uh, Dan's phone. But uh, he still was able to give me some information that I can uh, relay on the next segment that I'm sure is very important to you guys. So we'll do Favorite that. segment but, of the week. What? Favorite segment of the week. Yeah, favorite segment of the week. We'll have mortal walks. And we'll have uh, fantasy favorites as well coming up in the next segment. But, again, any uh, any closing thoughts here on the Patriots thus far? Add someone. Yes. <laughs> I could not agree more. 100%. Add someone. <laughs> Defense looks great. And uh, let's give Brady a little more help. Yeah. That would be great if we could get Brady some help. Give like, me Manny Sanders. Something. Give me Manny Sanders. Something, please. Uh, anything at this point. I will take literally anything. But, yep, so we'll get Mortal Walks, Fantasy Favorites uh, next segment. You're listening to Mouth and Off Sports on 
WBIM 91.5 FM here alongside with Jonathan Sullivan and Zach Lacey. We will be right back. WBIM 91.5 FM, Mouth and Off Sports here. Uh, we got Mortal Walks of the Week. We got Fantasy Favorites. And I, I'm nervous. I got my first win for my Mortal Walk last week. I mean, it was great. I mean, I'm just one of the biggest Seattle Seahawks stands out there. But, you know, it feels good to get on the board, finally getting one right. Because, man, like last week was like, whew. What a interesting day for uh, spreads. So I will say this. Um, my pick this week is 100% hitting, 1,000%. Like, don't even, don't even blink. Don't even doubt it. Um, so I guess I'll start first on Mortal Walks of the Week. And this is the line I got. I've seen half-point differential from a few different uh, places. But Bills versus Dolphins, minus 17. Bills, take it. The Dolphins are so bad. And we've talked about this. I mean, you can't really talk about it enough. Like, don't if, don't even waste your time watching them. They looked like trash cans against the Patriots every single week, pretty much. Uh, they're, they're just horrible. They're 100% tanking. And the Bills' defense is going to destroy them. They haven't given up a single point in the second quarter of this season. Uh, so that takes away pretty much the whole third quarter for the Dolphins. They already can't score, but third quarter, the Bills are money. So, again, uh, Bills minus 17. I don't think you can really go wrong there. I think that's 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 my mortal walk. Yeah, there we go. Take you to the bank. Uh, yeah, that's a good one. Uh, you know, a little 2-0 and over here. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, more, more you. correct picks than Dan, and he's been doing this every week, but no big deal. Um so yeah. this week, <laughs> the Titans are actually favorites at home against the Chargers by yeah. two points. <laughs> so take the Chargers straight up. It's They're going to blow them out. Char- the, Zach likes Chargers straight up? The Titans. The no, the Titans. Oh, Titans, Titans. I'm sorry. Yeah, with Mariota slash Ryan Tannehill at okay. quarterback. And it, they have a good defense, but, I mean, the Chargers have a lot of weapons, and they're going to score points. Hunter Henry's back. He's a stud. Keenan Allen is some actually healthy, and then Austin Eckler is a god. So, Chargers straight up. Jonathan. All right. Um, my pick, I have never been more confident in a pick in my entire life. Okay, this is literally bet your house on it. If you are below the poverty line, this will put you into the 1% <laughs> if you bet your life savings on it, okay? It is Jacksonville minus 3.5. At Cincinnati, Cincinnati is putrid. They're awful, okay? Jacksonville, they've been struggling a little bit. This is a must-win game for them, okay? Or they're going to lose their foot footing on the AFC South. I know they're not winning right now, but they'll if they lose to the Bengals, they're basically out of it. This is a must-win game for Jacksonville, okay? The Bengals cannot stop the run to save their life. 
Leonard Fournette is going to eat. I'd put him on my fantasy favorites, but I get slack for picking too big of household names, so he's not going on it, but he's still going to eat this week. Jacksonville, minus three and a half. Bet of my life. Guaranteed winner. All right, Jacksonville, plus three and a half, right? Minus three and a half. Minus three and a half, sorry. Minus three and a half. Yeah, I, I honestly, I, I like that too. I like that too against Cincy. Yeah, I mean, I would take that. Again, must win. So we have Ryan's. Uh, even though Ryan's not here, he uh, sent his via carrier pigeon. Uh, very nice of him. He has New Orleans plus three and a half uh, against the Bears. So I like that a lot. I wish I didn't like it a lot, but I love it. I do. Uh, that's honestly, if I had seen that one and liked it that much, it would have been my mortal lock. But pretty solid. Pretty solid. Um so also, we had a caller uh, a little bit ago that wanted to give his mortal walk, little guest mortal walk. So maybe we'll set up a, a little record for them too. So the guest now, uh, he will not be named. Um, so he actually loves the Titans, Zach. He loves the <laughs> Titans against the Chargers. What a shot. He could not tell <laughs> what me. A clown. He couldn't tell me how much he loved it, and he gave me a little tip. I would, I would seriously consider this tip. Apparently, uh, in that Titans game, Zach Mason Ramsey is singing the national anthem. Oh, I did see that. <laughs> so yeah, I love that. I, I don't I like know, that dude. <laughs> Just <laughs> serenading my Chargers. <laughs> I kind of, for that reason, I, I kind of like that. Yeah, set up, like set up a, a board bet between this unknown person and. Pick'em God, Zach. Maybe, yeah. I mean, he's not here to do that. I mean, we could do that off off air as well and post it on our Twitter and make sure we have that. We'll post the records of everybody, too, on Twitter to see how terrible I'm doing and how Zach is just going to hop on the show and dominate everybody. So I might get kicked off the show. Yeah, we might have to, like, we might have to do something about that. Uh, he's already 2-0. Kid's hot. Kid's really hot. But, yeah. I feel good. I think we all. I think I feel. I feel good about pretty much everybody's picks, but that that Titans one is going to be very interesting. We'll have to contact uh, the guest that we had that called in and see uh, see what he thinks. I but, really love Ryan's pick too. I I love the Saints. Saints going to the Super Bowl. I said that Saints two are weeks going ago. To the Super Bowl. Saints are going to the Super Bowl. Literally. Their defense is awesome. Gardner Minshew kind of trash. I saw a a stat on Twitter. Um, it was from. Uh, Barry, I will not say his last name. Yep. He said that wins the New Orleans has when the team scores less than, I think it was 16 points, ever. Teddy Bridgewater has two when New Orleans scores less than 16 points. Drew Brees in his whole career has one win when New Orleans has scored less than 16 points. And I understand that, that because Drew Brees scores like more than 16 points every year because he's a better quarterback. But, I mean, it just shows how good that defense is. New Orleans and defense okay. are getting close to synonyms, and they've been antonyms for basically your whole life. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, seriously, Saints are going to the Super Bowl. It's happening. And the last thing is the New Orleans money line, why they were favored, why they were underdogs last week at Jacksonville was ridiculous. It was baffling. Yeah. I don't that know. was the easiest. New Orleans money line was the easiest bet. Yeah, battle of uh, two backups too. That game, although the backups for the most part are showing out this year, they really are. I mean, 
Teddy Bridgewater undefeated, Kyle Allen undefeated, uh, Gardner Minshew holding his own at least, at the very least. Devlin Hodges undefeated. Devlin Hodges, yep. (laughs) Right there. There you go. Just down the line. You're the backup QB. You love to see it. Uh, QB2. Hodges is the backup's backup. Yeah, as a QB2 myself, I I love (laughs) QB2s. I'm so pumped about the backups this year, man. I'm a big backup quarterback guy. Dan loves throwing picks to safeties. (laughs) I love throwing picks to safeties. So, yeah, that's like the learning curve there. I got to study the playbook more. But, yeah, that's our mortal locks of the week. Uh, I don't know. I'm looking. I don't think Dan Roach gave us one in the via text. But, oh, wait. Actually, no, he did. He has – so Dan Roach called earlier as well. He's uh, another friend. He likes the uh, Giants over the Cardinals money line. Uh, so he said he could pick Bills over the Dolphins, but that's my pick. You can't do that. Or Niners over the Redskins, but Whoa. he said Giants over Cardinals money line. Sure. Love the Niners too. Yeah. I do. Zach I also 49ers. Love, Zach's I also Niners love the Niners. are scorching – Hot. Yeah, I normally hate a, a West Coast coming East Coast team. You did but, say that. But I, it's been proving me lo- wrong a lot. I mean, I loved Cleveland last week because Seattle was coming East. Loser. I mean, you know, I like the 49ers this week. I, I got to reevaluate my left coast coming East theory. Left coast? Yeah, left coast. Left coast. Okay. First show of the year. First, like, actual on-air uh, sort of you know, guaranteeing things uh, about the season. Zach's Niners making the playoffs that he spoke into existence weeks ago looking like the lock of the century. Yeah, Ryan's Ram pick looking real slow. Low, so slow. Oh, my God, Jared Goff this past week. Oh, he's so bad. Jared Goff lost me a fantasy matchup because he's terrible. So awful. So bad. Like, I mean... We were saying, uh, I think it was two weeks ago, it might have been, it was like the last time Ryan, I think, was in studio, and I was saying, like, you know, it was after Jared Goff had put up, like, 400 yards, and they ended up losing the game, I'm like, yeah, he can fill up the stat sheet all he wants, he can throw for a billion yards, but that guy doesn't have the clutch gene, he can't, he's not, like, an independent playmaker, right? Like, he, like, relies so heavily on that system that it becomes a detriment when, the system goes haywire on him. Like you got to be able to, on the fly, Brady, guys like Brady Manning, uh, Breeze, more so Brady Manning, just praised for their, uh, you know, on their feet, audibles at the line, uh, killing off plays, switching to a run if you have to. Jared Goff, I don't think he can make any of those calls himself. It all comes from McVeigh in that headset. And yeah, the Rams, dude. I didn't pick him to win the West. Couldn't have been me. <laughs> no, uh, not I. I not no. I, sir. It not couldn't I. have been me. Nope. I mean, would hate to have a show member, a co-host, pick a team like the Rams to win the West. I mean, right. imagine having a co-host like that. that would I, I mean, I know Seattle's second in the West now, but I still like to see Seahawks to win that division. Yeah. Anybody but the Rams. Yeah, anybody but the Rams. The Rams ain't winning. I mean, as long as the 49ers make the playoffs, you know. Right. that. I but, think, yeah, the Niners are, that, that team looks legit. The, the D looks good. Garoppolo just has to be himself, literally, and not get hurt. Just don't get hurt, and they should be just fine. And honestly, probably a contender. I mean, I saw they were in, like, everybody's top five power rankings uh, after week six. So they're, they look legit. I'll give them that. 
Absolutely. But, I mean, can you imagine drafting Jared Goff number one overall in front of Carson Wentz, Joey Bosa, Zeke, Jalen Ramsey, DeForest Buckner? Yep. That's, uh, that's tough when all those guys are all pros and then you got Jared, Jared Goff. Yep. It's tough. It's really tough because, I mean, with a competent QB, I'm talking about between the ears, he would – that team, they wouldn't have down years like they're sort of trending to have right now. I know Super Bowl hangovers are legit, but that team's far too talented to be dropping games the way they've dropped them, and especially that Seahawks game. They, like, you lose a game like that, that's just kind of an indicator of kind of how your season's going. So Yeah, I mean, Goff, he's, I mean, I don't know how, how else to describe I mean, he's just, he's terrible, and he's the biggest system QB I've ever seen. Literally. Ever. Yeah. I If you put him on an incompetent coach, that's what you saw his rookie year. That's what that's what he is. He is a below average starter in the NFL. Yeah, it's all through the system. He can't think independently on the fly like a lot of great, like the great all time greats can, and even just really good competent guys. Like I, I would trust Big Ben to make a a switch at the line if he if he saw something. I don't like know if Jared Goff really knows how to read defenses like a real NFL quarterback should know how to read them. You know, fair. So. Yeah, mortal locks. Again, feel great. Feel very good. Won't be feeling good next Monday, but <laughs> no, you won't. That's that's future Dan's problem. That's not <laughs> present Dan's problem. Fact. Future Dan, that guy, he can deal with it. But yeah, so we can move on to fantasy favorites as well. Uh, Ryan also sent his in. I guess we can start from the top with his since I have it literally right in front of me for fantasy. Uh, he loves Josh Allen. Ryan loves himself some Josh Allen, which this helps my pick. Playing the Dolphins. So I'm, I'm kind of on board here. Um, in two games against Miami, Josh Allen averages about 225 passing yards, two TDs, one interception a game. But he also runs for 115 and a score per game. Ride him with confidence as a bye week or injury fill in against the dumpster fire Dolphins. <laughs> he hates Tyreek Hill in five career Fair. games. I also hate Tyreek Hill. In five career games versus Denver, he averages about five receptions for 40 yards with an extra 20 yards on the ground. That that uh, mile-high altitude, I'll, I'll tell you what, with an extra 20 on the ground between the mile, high air in Denver, playing on a short week, the fact that the Broncos allow the fewest fantasy points to wide receivers, the recent struggles on offense for the Chiefs, he said, I'd honestly look elsewhere at receiver. And then he had to remind me of his mortal walk, but we already gave that. So... That's who Ryan likes for fantasy, who he doesn't like for fantasy. Kind of on board with both of those, not going to lie. I mean, it's fair that he doesn't love Tyreek Hill, but if you have Tyreek Hill, you're starting Tyreek Hill. 100%. Oh, yeah. Like, but, maybe for daily, like, well, we'll you know, for, like, daily yeah, fantasy, don't exactly. even, don't touch him. But your season long, if you have Tyreek Hill, you're starting Tyreek Hill because it, as good as the Broncos' D has been, he needs one play to get you 15 points. Like, Ooh. Or right. whatever it is, he, yeah, he, eighty yard touchdown, eighty yard touchdown, yeah. fifteen points. Like he's he's one play, and he can he's very capable of doing that. As we saw when the, Mahomes just chucked one up, and he just jumped over two that guys and walked in the end zone. That was ridiculous. Like, yes, in, in daily, maybe you save some money and go somewhere else, but season long, you're starting Tyreek Hill. So, Jonathan, you want to start with your your favorites? Sure. I'm trying to go more away from sh- sure starters because people think that I'm 
picking big names. People like Pick'em mm-hmm. God, Zach, and Ryan. Well, I mean, just don't pick DeAndre Hopkins to have a big week. <laughs> or David That's Johnson. Or, huh? Or David Johnson. <laughs> no. I, David Johnson Nonetheless. Is, he's the best running back in the league. Worst running back. My first fantasy favorite is running back Tevin Coleman versus the Washington R-Words in Washington this weekend. I think the 49ers, as we mentioned earlier, I love the 49ers winning this week. I think that this game is going to be a blowout. They're going to run it a lot. And I think Tevin Coleman, he's back from injury. He's healthy. He's fresh. Matt Breed is a little banged up. He's been playing every week. I think Coleman rushes for at least 100 yards, probably a touchdown or two, and he'll add a few receptions because he's a receiving threat too. I love Tevin Coleman. I star him in your flex, star him as an RB2, put him in your lineup this week. I love him. All right. Okay. My second fantasy favorite is that Brandon Cooks versus the Falcons. I know this is kind of a household name, but he hasn't really been playing it like it this week. I still hate Jared Goff, but the Falcons are just so atrocious on defense. I think that Cooper Cup and Robert Woods are going to be throwing all the attention. I think Brandon Cooks is just going to torch the Falcons this week. That game's going to be high scoring because neither team can play defense. You know, I love Brandon Cooks this week. And my last fantasy favorite, Rhett, with an R, Rhett Ellison versus the Cardinals. Giants tight end. Evan Engram is out. I just watched Austin Hooper absolutely destroy the Cardinals last weekend. Saquon's coming back. All the attention's going to be put on Saquon. Rhett Ellison's just going to sneak out into the flat and eat all day for Danny Dimes. Love Red Ellison this week. He's a low starting player. I mean, I'm sure he's probably available in 80 to 85% of fantasy leagues, maybe. Pick him up if you need a tight end this week. Someone's on the bye. Good feeling. Love him this week. 96% of leagues, so you got a pretty good chance of getting him. Yeah, pretty good. Um, for me, we love me some Auden Tate this week. Cincinnati Bengals. <laughs> This dude... Kid's speaking his own fantasy team into existence on the show. Why did... He is on my fantasy <laughs> team. Deep league, but he's available in about 80% of leagues. And this dude, he just l- made plays last week. It back shoulder throws. He just looks... You make, he makes catches, you're like, wow. He had 12 targets last week as well. Even if AJ Green comes back, this dude, they played him out of the slot. He got like four or five targets out of the slot last week. He's going to be a big part of their offense. And as your mortal lock, like Jacksonville, going to be up since he's going to have to throw the ball. And Andy Dalton likes throwing Auden Tate. Fair. Um, another one, really deep shot, Darius Slayton for the Giants. Cardinals defense, like you just said, with Red Allison, is terrible. And he blowing the top off defenses. All he needs is one big play, kind of like Tyreek Hill, to make his week. So if you're really in a desperate mode with – Four teams on by and about eight starting caliber wide receivers on those teams. Then uh, Darius Slayton. And just one thing I'm upset about: what's going on with the Chiefs' running back situation? <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Running back by committee. If they if they put together all three of these guys, Daryl, Dame, Damian Williams, and Lashawn McCoy, they would have scored like 25 fantasy points last week. But by themselves, what is going on? It's the Andy Reid system, running back by a committee. I, Don't touch him. 
Ah, LaShawn McCoy just needs to go. He needs to fumble like six more times and get out of here. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you. I have mine. Thank you for taking Auden Tate, Zach. You're welcome. That's just <laughs> awesome. That's the greatest. But I have I have a backup. Now, no bias here. He is on my bench. But I like him this week for obvious reasons. Cole Beasley. All right. Cole Beasley owned in just 25% of uh, fantasy leagues, and that's been trending downward. You know, last week he only had 5.1 against Tennessee, but now they're coming off a bye week. They're playing at home against Miami. Miami averages letting up 36 points per game. Their defense could not be worse. Literally, you couldn't be going up against a worse defense in your own home uh, stadium. So I, you got to think Cole Beasley is A, he's involved in that offense, B, Look for him to get one touchdown, but at least, like, especially if you're in PPR, I could see him getting six for 85, six for 90 with a touchdown, something along those lines. I think he would be a good start if you need a guy there in your flex. Um, you know, he's not like a wide receiver one or two, but, you know, in your flex, I like him there this week uh, specifically because he has flashed a little bit the previous two weeks. He had uh, 14 plus in both. So I like Cole Beasley this week. I think he can uh, give you a little something there. But, yeah, and who I don't like. Now, this is uh, just sort of going forward, not just this week. I think going forward, uh, Jordan Howard's value, I, I think, is just going to keep going down because I don't think he's going to get uh, enough touches. Overall, his usage rate just won't really be there to be an RB2 even. Like maybe a flex here here and there, but like the couple weeks that he's had where he's exploded, I wouldn't re- really expect that. I don't think you can really expect him to be like a 15-plus guy per week, so don't really lean on him as an RB2. Um, but as a flex, you know, I think you can still get away with having him there here and there because he'll, he'll have a couple big weeks for sure, but not going to be on a consistent basis yeah it's all game script with him i mean if they're up big he's gonna be running a lot and getting the goal line situations he's gonna get the ball right um but if you're looking for a looking for a tight end going forward um and chris herndon still out there for the jets you know he's coming back this week i probably wouldn't start him this week unless against the pats uh unless you desperately have to (laughs) but the next four weeks after that they play the dolphins twice and the cardinals once it's three Awful defenses, yeah. right? And he's gonna eat. Yeah, and uh, say a prayer for Pick'em God Zach over here. CMC, his main man, on the bye this week. And Chris Godwin, tough number yeah, one wide receiver, tough. number one running back, <laughs> both on bye. And yes, I'm starting Chris Herndon at my flex. <laughs> yikes, major yikes. <laughs> so now you know we can take a look at the week seven slate. Um, in the NFL, we've obviously already touched on uh, the Patriots, but looking elsewhere, <coughs> initial thoughts on Week Seven in general. Um, I mean, and obviously, we don't have to go back to the Pats or anything, but how do you guys think? I know the prime time stuff has been a conversation, whether it's Sunday night or Monday night. Like the quality of games going forward just really isn't all that great. But like this week, at least. Uh, the Thursday night game, yeah, Chiefs and Broncos, that's not too bad. Like, the Broncos could actually, that's like a nice little trap game for the, for the Chiefs, potentially, because Thursday night, you're on the road. Denver, historically, isn't an easy place to play at, especially if you're, like, in high-octane offense that relies on big plays. 
I think that that place doesn't bode well for you because you're going to get gassed a lot easier. Right, but. absolutely. I mean, three good games this week, I think, on the primetime games. Um, you got Philly-Dallas as well, which divisional matchups always good, and those oh, yeah. two teams hate each other. Um, so that should be a lot of fun. And then Pats-Jets could be could end up being a close one. Yeah, I agree. I, I, I like the primetime games this week. I mean, I wouldn't if I was not a fan of the Pats or the Jets, I would look at the Monday night game and kind of roll my eyes, but... I mean, the Jets beat the Cowboys last week. So, as I mentioned earlier, I think right. you're going to have a game. Sneaky good 1 p.m. game, Vikings at the Lions. Lions need a big win. Like, they, they got to right the ship after uh, two straight losses. And they, they've really held their own. I mean, against the Chiefs, they held their own. Against the Packers, you know, one could say they got hosed, absolutely hosed last night. Another could say, well, you know, score touchdowns instead of kicking a bunch of field goals. But ultimately... <laughs> I think that's a pretty good game on the slate, a sneaky good 1 p.m. game, um, which, honestly, I think you kind of need. This week, the primetime games are obviously there, but like we've looked ahead before in previous shows, and like the primetime games with all these quarterbacks going down, like not good, not good. And you got so many crap teams that are so bad, like the Dolphins and the Redskins, that don't deserve primetime games. But this week, actually, you know, like you were saying, Zach, at least we have some good primetime matchups and even some other good like regular matchups as well at like four o'clock. Saints and Bears and must win for the Bears as well right there. <laughs> so I mean, I don't know. I think we have a good slate uh, this coming week. Packers and Raiders as well. Just rattling a few off that you know you got, you got teams that are above five hundred playing each other in sort of not must win, but they're they're big games. We're getting there now. It's week seven, so right. I mean, you got a lot of games this week. I'm looking at the schedule right now. I mean, they look like they should be a lot of small lines this week. You know, in outside of the Dolphins, Bills, and Patriots, and the 49ers, I mean, most spreads are honestly within, every spread is within three and a half, except the three I just mentioned in Green Bay. So, I mean, they, these are games that should really be coming down to the wire all yeah. day. I mean, I, I like the matchups. You got some, you know, bad teams are playing bad teams, but bad team versus bad team. You know, it's not going to be thirty-eight to nothing. It's it, they're going to be close. They're going to come down to the wire, and I mean, that's all you can really. It'll ask be for. exciting, at least, right? In one of these bad games, bad teams against bad teams is Arizona and the Giants. When you got Kyler and you got Danny Dimes, yep. that's going to be a lot of fun. I'm going to love watching that one. I mean, Kyler Saquon back, Saquon's back, and if Kyler stays healthy and doesn't run like RG three, he's going to. He might be special. He he had a nice nice week. Yeah, this past he week. is so fast too. If in he, he starts sliding, he'll be fine, and it could be a really big shootout there. Yeah, I I think Kyler. You know, I had my doubts, especially after the first few weeks. But man, he's definitely got the talent. And again, like you said, it's just a matter of him being smart with his body, not doing anything stupid. Uh, not taking any crazy shots or crazy hits. But probably my one of my favorite games this week, which is a 425 start, is uh, the Ravens at Seahawks. Again, you got two similar teams, two similar styles of, of uh, play. And the Seahawks 5-1, and one, they've won a bunch of games by tiny margins. So, you know, if, if this is a close one down to the wire, I like the Seahawks to win. Um, I don't know about covering or anything like that, but... I definitely like the Seahawks and Ravens game for sure. I think that that has the potential potential to be um, 
the best game of the week in terms of like entertainment. Yeah, that, absolutely. That's fair. And I also like the uh, the Texans at Colts. I like that game. I mean, it should be close. This is in Indianapolis. Texans riding high. They just beat Kansas City in Kansas City. Colts three and two. Probably a a big game for the Colts. Got to get back on track. They just lost before the bye at home to Oakland, um, and then they beat Kansas City. So both teams just beat Kansas City. But this is a big game. You know, I think it's a big game for Indianapolis, big game for Houston to keep their momentum going. I think you could be in for another higher scoring game, you know, 20, 31, 28 type of game. I think it's going to be good. It should come down to the wire. And, I mean, as I've said before, I mean, that's all you can ask for. I want one-score games under six minutes to go in the fourth quarter. That's that's all I ask for. And I think the NFL is, is going to give it to me this week. Yeah, no, I agree. Just to circle back to your game, uh, Seattle and Baltimore. Yeah. It feels like we're in an alternate universe. Vegas has them as probably the highest scoring game of the weekend. Right. We were talking about this earlier. We were talking about this earlier. Baltimore and Seattle have bad defenses. What? Wait, what? I know. Yeah. But Baltimore just got Marcus Peters. Right. From from the Rams in a trade just not long ago. So. So Marcus Peters isn't, you know, he's not as good as he used to be. Right, but he was still an all-pro cornerback, like, what, two years ago, one year ago? Yeah, he saw it. He saw it. Yeah. They got locked yeah. down. If, uh, Better than what he's got. If the unknown listener is uh, listening, Tyler Lockett getting locked down by Marcus Peters this week. Yeah, Tyler Lockett might have a problem this week. <laughs> Still like my Seahawks, though. Still Definitely. love the Hawks. I, eh, yeah. I, it's it's going to be tough. Against the spread, I'd pick Baltimore this week. I mean, it looks like three and a half. That's uh, under a field goal, Seattle. I'm taking the other team. Yeah, plus especially the, the way Seattle's won games. I mean... They don't win games running away. No, absolutely not. But I want to circle to the Chiefs real quick. Now that they've dropped their second game, uh, blowing a 17-3 to lead, like, they, their armor's sort of getting chiseled, or not chiseled, uh, just chipped out a little bit. I know they get Tyreek Hill back. I know. Their offense will benefit greatly from that. But at the same time, They've now dropped two, and they've been played pretty well. I mean, overall, yeah, they've had their blowouts, but they've been played well. Uh, Teams have risen up to their level a bit with, like I said before, the Detroit Lions. But, you know, and then a Thursday night game against the Broncos on the road. They drop that one, or they drop one of their next couple. They got the Packers coming into town. Packers are obviously right up there, 5-1. and Then they get the Vikings the very next week. So... Three straight weeks where we could the very decent potential for a third loss on the Chiefs, which they're supposed to be the Patriots' big sort of you know right there with them. If anybody's going to threaten the Patriots, it's the Chiefs. Well, the Texans looked pretty good against them. Like they looked like, yeah, I don't trust the Texans in the playoffs, but like to be able to beat the Chiefs, uh, you need just a special type of offense, and your defense has to be able to be competent enough. To get some stops when you really need it. Well, yeah, yeah. Tech, oh, you can go. Go ahead. The Texans have a legit defense. Yeah, and they got to Mahomes. He's still a little hampered with the ankle injury, mm-hmm. so he wasn't moving around as well, um, being able to escape like he normally does. But uh, it's going to be interesting. I mean, it's looking very likely that the AFC is going to have to come through New England again, which we all know what they do at home in the playoffs. Right. Don't hate that. And, I mean, it didn't even come through New England last year, though, right? I mean, we were on the road. No, it was at... But, but 
But it came down to a coin toss, so. Yeah, exactly. But, I mean, um, yeah, like, if the Patriots get, like, leverage, this kind of leverage already, they got two games in the hole, like, I love that. And I would love it to come through Foxborough because, let's be honest, like, how many times have we really seen them do what they did last year? Go to, on the road, whether it be in the past Denver, AFC title game, win in that kind of spot, it's tough. And Arrowhead's a tough place to play. That that game last year, I mean, I know it has nothing to do with this year, but oh my God, what a game. (laughs) Yes, what a game. And again, D Ford, thank you. (laughs) Thank you, (laughs) sir. But yeah, but to elaborate on Kansas City, I mean, the Patriots kind of showed you in the AFC Championship last week, last year. Uh, The book is out on how to beat Kansas City. The book is out, and it is called control the ball, control the line of scrimmage, bully Kansas City. They can't stop the run. That opens up your play action. Prevent D. You just got to hold the ball because Patrick Mahomes can't score 50 points if he only has the ball for 20 minutes, you know? I mean, you just got to kill clock. I mean, clock killing drives is how you beat the Kansas City Chiefs. And, I mean, is Denver going to do it? No, because Denver can't throw the ball. But, I mean, Kansas City's defense, once again, is... It's awful, yeah. and it's so bad. They can't stop anyone. And then the, the Colts and the Texans, I mean, they just killed time of possession, time of possession, time of possession. That is how you beat Kansas City. You just got to win the time of possession battle, and you do that through running the ball, throwing short passes. Just keep that clock moving. The clock is your friend when you're on offense and yep. you're playing Kansas City. And keep their offense in front of you. Like, don't get burned by the big play. Don't let them throw for a 55-yard you know, TD pass, let it, right. like, make them beat you 30, 25 yards in from the end zone. Right, because if, if Kansas City takes, if Kansas City's defense can't stop anything, okay, and you're going on seven-minute drive scoring a touchdown, and then Kansas City gets the ball back, and you're playing prevent, and it takes Kansas City five minutes, six minutes to score their own touchdown, then, I mean, odds are is that that's going to favor you because Kansas City wants to score quick. They want to... You know, hit the big play every drive. They're not built to, you know, win a, a clock, you know, possession game. They're not built yeah. to to win a game, you know, 24-21. They're built to win 42-38. And if you can control the clock and, you know, keep Kansas City off the field, and when they're on the field, keep them on, you know, long drives, as, as crazy as that sounds, you just... Kansas City is at its best when they're playing like they did against Oakland earlier this year, where it's like every single drive, Pat Mahomes is throwing 60 yards down the field for a touchdown, and they score in a minute 30 like it's Madden or something. That's where they're at their best. I mean, you you want long drives against Kansas City. I mean, that's how you beat them. Yeah, also their their play style, like those you know quick scoring drives, that only hurts your already bad defense. You're, you're just bringing them back on the field quicker. You're giving them less of a break. You're just hurting your own cause if you're playing that kind of play style. You know, your D already is getting torched on a weekly basis, and your offense is out there trying to score in two and a half minutes, and it's just it's bad. It's bad for your D as well, and you're going to cause more three and outs with that too if you're playing that kind of style. Sounds like you think they should hand the ball off to Damian Williams more. Uh, I'll you're not wrong, Zach. Establish a run game. Help yeah. the Patriots last year. It's not helping them this year. No. If you want to beat them, though, you got to have an established run game. That's for sure. So what do you think happens when the Pats play the Chiefs week 14? I think the Pats, hopefully Isaiah Wynn will be back. 
the offensive line will be a bit more shared up. And I think that Kansas City is just so bad at stopping the run. Even though the Patriots have had trouble running, they'll still expose Kansas City because the Patriots are so smart and they will exploit the smallest of margins. And, yeah, they'll just exploit them. Patriots are also historically very good in the month of December, and that game is in the second week of December. So just another little Patriots thing, like, they just always they, – they, their winning percentage in Denver, I don't have it in front of me, but it is very high, much like their winning percentage in, like, pretty much every season in the last 20 <laughs> right. years. So, except for September. Except yeah. for September. September is their bugaboo. Except, except this, this year and 07. Yeah, this year and 07. <laughs> and the year they started off, like, what was it, 13 or – 15 when they started like 10 and 0 and then they it was like 10 or 11 and 0 and then they played like the Colts or something yeah and they beat they lost to Philadelphia at home and stuff oh yeah that was the pooch kick game wasn't it right yeah oh the Nate Ebner oh I can't go back there um yeah so yeah not to go on a whole Chiefs like segment but I think it is it, it is uh just a developing thing with them two losses in the first six weeks they have three very losable games Denver I don't know so much but could be a little trap, but still three losable games in the next three weeks before they even come back uh, in Foxborough to play the Patriots in December. They get the Chargers, uh, which should be a win, and then the Raiders right before the Patriots. So Raiders are sneaky good. Sneaky. I still think sneaky. they're awful. That's yeah. I think they're trash. I don't know. Man. I mean, I don't know. I understand that they're three and two. They're playing defense. Josh I, Jacobs. They run the ball. I just think Derek Carr's so bad. He's not great, but they got playmakers now. Yeah, and I Darren just think Waller, I just Waller's think legit. Waller the baller. Their, Jacobs is legit. Their coach. He's just John Gruden. He's just not that smart. He's just not that good. Well, next year, once they start using those Khalil Mack picks and all the picks that they've gained from Gruden dishing out people. They're going to be sneaky. They won't be sneaky good. They'll, They'll be, be good good. good. No, nah, not with that quarterback. They got to get a new quarterback. Dude, before before he uh, had that ACL tear, like, he, people he, were, he was good. Yeah, he used to. He wasn't that bad. They were talking all, about him as like MVP. Right. Yeah. But I don't know what happened. He's, he's just, no, he's, he's not good. I don't know what it is. But regardless, anybody, like, back when Antonio Brown was cut by the Raiders, there, nobody predicted them to go 3-2 and two to start the year. No. Nobody. They probably thought one and four at best. Be tanking for Tua. Nope. Three and two. Better than the Chargers. Better than the Broncos. So they're I mean they're they're only a game behind Kansas City, a game and a half. because uh, they're at four and two. So hey, not like they're gonna win that division, but at least at least that whole division isn't just rolling over to the Chiefs. You know, there's a little bit of give, which I like. Right. Mine uh Knicks Broncos pick still in play. Sorry, what? Your Broncos Mine and Nick's pick? Bronco pick. Um, oh God, being no, good this year, no. still in play. My Chargers pick is is in the in the trash though for that division. But anyways, so we got about half an hour left here. Uh, we still got a couple other things to get to. Do you guys have any closing thoughts or anything on Week Seven? Looking ahead, uh, just the slate of games we got. Mortal walks, anything? Uh, should be a good week again. I mean, hopefully the officials don't. Screw it up. Yeah. It's been just excited for Red Zone, baby. Should be, yeah, should can't be wait. Good, should be a good Sunday. <laughs> Sunday at Harvey's house. Let me see. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Yes! 
Got eight one o'clock games. We only had six last week. Didn't get to see Octobox. Octobox is coming Octobox. back this Sunday. Let's go. <laughs> and one closing thought before we take a quick break. Uh, I will be at the Patriots and Jets this Monday, so I will try to do some live uh, reporting. Uh, we'll see how that goes. Bless up. But all right, you're listening to the Mouth and Off Sports Show, ninety one point five WBIM Radio. We will be right back with a closing segment. Welcome back to Melton Off Sports here on 91.5 WBIM-FM, home of the Bridgewater State Bears. And we got the final segment here for you. We got MLB playoffs and we got Boston Bruins talk here. Uh, we'll start with the playoffs as we got the Astros and Yankees in action right now. Zach, you got a score update for us, brother? We got 2-0 Astros in the top of the sixth. 2-0 Astros, top of the sixth. As, uh, you know, we love to hear that, absolutely. That love series is tied 1-1. Garrett Cole throwing another gem. Has walked five people, but still uh, looking very good today. Good at pitch, Garrett Cole. Very good at pitch. Good at pitch. Luis Severino, not good at pitch in playoffs. <laughs> ben. Facts. And then on the other side, pretty much a wash uh, now. Uh, 3-0, the Nationals lead. St. Louis Cardinals, which... We all know the Cardinals to be very competitive, especially in the playoffs. They don't, like, yeah, they lost 4 out of the Sox in the <coughs> 04 World Series. But, I mean, typically, harking back to, like, 2011, the David Freeze year, um, they, they're always very, very, very competitive. In that World Series alone, they were, I believe they were, like, down to their last pitch twice against the Rangers going back to 2011. Regardless, history aside, I just do not expect the Cardinals dropping a series not getting one win and having it be to a team like the Nationals which they're not bad obviously they're there for a reason but they're also a team that is one year removed from not bringing back Bryce Harper him going to the Phillies Phillies don't even make the playoffs and this Nationals team is one win away from going to the World Series like what other sport does that happen in you can't like hockey maybe but baseball and hockey like that parody is so nice to it's like refreshing like yeah you like to see the big markets but like the nationals that story for them like if i was a big nationals guy big nationals fan like it it would be one of the greatest years of my life like we we lost our guy our franchise player for the past you know since 2012 like this kid was a phenom coming up and he was homegrown and he leaves for this monster deal to go to the phillies and what happens you make the playoffs. You're one win, one win away from the World Series. He's out. He's out of the picture. Great story. It really is. It's awesome. I mean, I've been very conflicted about this series. You know, you got the whole Bryce Harper story, which him leaving the Nationals and them just being awesome and Juan Soto is going to be the next, well, next Bryce Harper-ish. It's going to be better uh, than Bryce Harper. Probably going to be better than Bryce, Bryce Harper. Bryce Harper's overrated. Trash. Wow. Okay. Um Aggressive. <laughs> Very aggressive. <laughs> so you got that story on one hand. And then on the other hand, you got Cape Cod League alumni from the Whitey Red Sox, Tommy Edmond, gets called up in the middle of the season and is starting all these games in the playoffs. So great to see a Whitey Red Sox guy up there. Local um, guy. Local product. Uh, well, yeah. 
Sort of. Was one summer a local guy? Was one summer a local <laughs> hey, guy? Hey, that's all that counts. <laughs> yeah. Uh, who else? Buster Posey, Chris Sale were YD guys. Chris Sale, what? Big Tim YD Winscombe guy. Tim was a YD guy, I think. Uh, I think he was on Chatham, but yeah. Okay. Capley, Capley guy. Basically a YD. Shout out Buster Posey, uh, Pirates Cove, Yarmouth. Buster Posey, course, yeah. course record. 28, yeah. <laughs> Unreal. I'll break it one day, though. <laughs> Someday, maybe. But, yeah, great, uh, great stories. I mean, obviously, the Yankees, it, within their own right, they're a nice story for like you know their own thing whatever they were banged up for a while in the beginning of the year didn't matter wire to wire like they've had a very good year they're having a 2018 red sox-esque year not like breaking you know win records type of thing but it's kind of like that where it just seems like everything they touch turns to gold they can't really go wrong guys going down doesn't matter standing out for most of the year doesn't matter they're pitching you know, still rolling CC Sabathi out there doesn't matter. Like, so for them, another good story. But the Astros, like that walk off by uh, Correa the other night was amazing. Like that, like that kind of stuff. That was a wonderful pimp job he put on that. Day. It was so good, and uh, it was Ottavino who threw that right. I think it was Ottavino for the Yankees. But it, yeah. the second he hit it, the second he hit it. The guy, he just faced down immediately, started walking <laughs> off. Great, again, like you said, great pimp job by Correa. And, yeah, that Astros team is honestly legit. Like, we know that. They're World Series champions. But, I mean, like, playoff-wise, dynasty type of stuff, like, it seems like they're the next five years. Like, they keep things going. They're able to make deadline moves, like, you know, a couple of years back, bringing, bringing in Verlander, stuff like that. Uh, they bringing in Cole from the Pirates. We all know he was he's great, but they're still able to make these moves that honestly are seem like seamlessly uh working for them. So the Astros obviously another good story. And yeah, on the other side, Nationals, I just I, I still can't believe it. I can't believe they are where they're at. And Steven Strasburg, shout out to him. He I think he's he's had a, like eight innings pitched uh, with twelve plus Ks and two different playoff starts. He's like one of like two or three guys to ever do that, which is crazy. That's good for him because back in the day, Strasburg was like hyped up like as like the best pitcher, like possibly like the next like best pitcher like ever type, you know. Yep. And he hasn't really lived up to the hype, but it's it's good to see him finally you know figuring himself out. Yeah, I mean, him and Bryce Harper kind of had that same type of hype coming out when they got drafted both number one overall back-to-back years whatever he had some struggles and people started getting on him a little bit but he's been awesome and then max scherzer that guy is a, just a warrior and to see him finally getting some playoff success is just awesome and then probably the most underrated superstar in the league anthony rendon yep it, get him in a world series that'd be great yeah but i still like i even if the nationals sweep I still like whatever team comes out of the American League. Me too. I know baseball yeah. is baseball has a lot of parity. You know, anyone can really win. But I think, dare I say, that if the Yankees and Astros go six games or seven games and the Nationals sweep, I mean, that's your classic Nationals might have too, t- too much time off scenario. Yeah, but at the same time, if that's those series go six, seven games... 
they might have to use. I mean, might be Cole Verlander and six seven. Right, fair. and then if those those two guys aren't pitching, maybe one and two, and they got Scherzer Strasburg out there, and they can steal one of those games back in Houston. Or I think they have a much better shot of beating the Yankees than Houston. I think Houston's a much deeper lineup and better pitching. Yeah, I agree. Yep. I um, would definitely say Houston is the best team on paper. Yeah, I mean they've been the best team on paper in the season. So. Right, but if you don't have Verlin or Cole going games one and two back in Houston, and you got all fresh guys over in Washington, I mean you steal one, steal one away, and then you get a chance. All right, it's a fair point. Yeah, for sure, for sure. I that Washington pitching, like that, is their like big like one hope. I feel like again, like you said, Zach, you steal one or two uh, right off the bat if. You're able to start, you know, with Scherzer, Strasburg. Great. You know, get the rest, sweep uh, the Cardinals, finish up there, get your guys ready to go. And seriously, yeah, because the way that they've been pitching, both Strasburg and and Scherzer, like, that is your best bet. You need to shut down that Yankees offense, and you need, say, if it's the Yankees, you know, shut down that Yankees offense as best you can and try to pick at their pitching because, again, we all know that's not their strongest suit and comparatively to the Astros, definitely not. Uh, much more afraid of the Astros' rotation. Um, so, yeah, again, right then and there, the Nationals, yeah, I think they could make the World Series competitive. Like, I think I could see them either Yankees or Astros. I see that World Series going six. I, I think it'll go six, mainly because I think the Nationals' pitching can definitely win you at least one game. Yeah, yeah. Um... I think it's I think it's the Astros. It's probably uh, I think it's a five game series. I think the Nationals get enough in them to steal one game, and then it's probably going downhill after that. Um, with the Yankees, I could easily see it going six or seven, um, especially if Yankees Astros go seven and the Yankees get a little bit tired, maybe a couple injuries. You know, who knows? Um, but yeah, I like whatever team comes out of the AL for sure. Same. Um, so yeah, any any other thoughts? I mean, we're definitely uh, on future shows. We'll be reacting more more so, especially as the World Series gets into play. Um, once we have that set, I think you know we'll be able to spend you know like full segments, you know, like a full segment on it, especially if it's compelling. You know, if we if we have a exciting finish or exciting next few games with uh, Astros Yankees, that comes down to the wire. That's going to be some compelling stuff that will definitely warrant being talked about so right we'll and, just have to uh, keep an eye on that and move on because we got other stuff going on too we got boston bruins off to a hot start hot start five and one baby uh picking right right up where they left off after last year uh obviously not game seven but just in general <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what they did last year <laughs> they're they're picking right up and they're kind of going with a similar approach with how they used uh tuka and halak you know, it's been split so far. They're both at three games apiece, and I love that. I love going with the just give them both the same kind of workload, especially you know with Tuca. He's another year older. You know, he's not. He's on the other side of thirty. So again, that's another thing. Like, I love that kind of workload, that usage, sort of both at the same kind of thing, and they're, they're both playing very well on you know in the early going here, the first six games. So. That's my initial, like, Bruins take here is I love the goalie situation. Yeah, it's nice to see the first line back in producing. Uh, Pasta had four goals yesterday. Bruins yeah, I was only, worried about Pasta. Bruins only scored four goals, so 
good job for him. <laughs> Scored all the goals. Uh, and then, like, you know, last playoffs, everyone's like, first line, first line, first line. And it's true. The first line was, you know, I give him like a C, C minus in the playoffs last year. Um, you know, that first line shows up in the Stanley Cup. You win the Stanley Cup. I mean, there's no, you yeah. know, there's no arguing that. Um, and then the first couple games this year, they were a little slow. You know, you had sinking Brett Ritchie scoring goals and stuff like that. But it's good to see, you know, Pasta, Marshan back on the score sheet because at the end of the day, that's you need contributions from the the bottom of your of your team and stuff. But the first line, there's a reason why Marshan had 100 points last year and Pasta not could easily score, have a 50 goal campaign this year. I mean, they're studs. They got to produce. Yeah, I mean, your first line's got to produce or else you're not really going to be that good. Um, but I'm not quite sold yet on the Bruins, even though they're starting out hot 5-1. I mean... You got a tough schedule coming up. Right. We got... I mean, they got Tampa, then Toronto, Toronto, and St. Louis. We're going to find out over these next four games just how good this team is. I mean, so far, I mean, you only beat the Coyotes by one nothing. They're terrible. That should have been 5 nothing. And they've had a lot of close games that could have gone either way against some not great competition. So uh, I think this next week and a half, really find out if they're actually a contender or if they're a pretender. Right now, I'm not sold yet. So Z not sold yet on the Bruins. I mean, I feel you there, you know, like you were saying, uh, sort of a soft schedule to get going. But, I mean, on the flip side, like if they were, say, like 3-3, three and three, even like two and four, yikes to start. We'd all be screaming, uh, Stanley Cup hangover. Like they blew their chance. Like I mean, not everybody, but I feel like that would be part of the reactionary crowd. Is like, oh my gosh, like they're already off to this poor start. Like they they haven't gotten over the cup yet, something like that. But it to start off five and one, I absolutely love that. And I think from just like in general too, like a lot of times. In the NHL, at least, if you if you're like out of it by around Thanksgiving ish, that kind of time frame, you could be out of it for like most of the season. Like you can dig yourself in a hole in the NHL, unlike other sports. Um, Don't tell St. Louis that. <laughs> well, that is true, but that was like a like that was ridiculous what they did. I mean, being one of the worst teams in the league by like December January, they were dead last, and then yeah, and then flipping it all the. <laughs> I, I can't even go back and do it. I'm still salty about that loss as well. But, yeah, I just I just think, like, them getting off to this start is great for their just mental toughness as, as a team. Because after a Stanley Cup loss, the last thing you want to do is get off to a mediocre, average 500 start that really doesn't – it's not really your identity. That's not what you are. You're a contending team that should finish top – three top four in your conference and you should be right there especially still with this core intact and your young guys coming up again like this is going to be another year where i think we're going to get to the end of the year and it's going to be all right like this is one of the last runs they got with this group and hopefully last year wasn't their final true chance because i still think they have enough talent to make a legit run they obviously do uh but yeah, ultimately, really, it's that that first line getting going again because I was worried about Pasternak because he looked, during the, the playoffs, like he just looked lost. I don't know if he was way too banged up or if 
I know he had a concussion, I'm pretty sure, early on. Or it was late in the season. Or it was early in the playoffs, I forget. But he just did not look right in the playoffs at all. He looked like he was lost, didn't really know his place on the offense. or He wasn't, he wasn't just playing at the level he usually plays at. So it's good to see him put up that hat trick uh, and getting four goals. Like, that's crazy. Good that he's back on his stuff. But, yeah, and Marshand as well, like Jonathan said, you need that line going. You need your goalies going, which they are right now, Halak and Tuka. So, so far, so good. Halak better. Halak, low-key, might be better. No, but... Better uh, so far? I hate to disagree with you guys, but I think that that was the last cup run for... No! This this group of Bergeron, Krejci, Chara, the, the old guard there, Tuka, I think... Smell cap. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think that's it. I mean, they got a gift last year with the the. Oh, play- you'll no, you're not gonna get that bad. With the way the playoffs worked out, they right. got a, they got it handed to them to walk through right. and pick out the cup, and they choked. It, I don't, they're not gonna get that again, and it's you got all these teams: Tampa, Toronto, trying to get they're getting better, and I just don't think the Bruins are gonna keep up. That's fair. It's fair, especially after playing so much hockey last year, like. Yeah, and losing in the cup, like, the way they did at home, Game 7, it still takes me for a loop just thinking about it and going back. Yeah, I, I think I think their work is definitely cut out for them, you know, so to speak. And, yeah, you're never going to get the the pathway you got that no. you got last playoffs. You're not. Ever. Tampa's not going to lose to Carolina again. And if Toronto gets a side, Sorry. <laughs> Okay. Toronto gets an, another crack at you. I you're not going to face Carolina in the conference. I, I like them there. You're right. So, I don't know. It's just it's tough. It's tough because again, it won't break their way again like it did. But at least they're off to a good start. We can take that. We can take a five and one start. Right. We stand a five and one start. We can we definitely get on board with <laughs> that. Happy start five and one. Yeah. We'll but, find out this next week and a half if they can actually be something. Right. But, uh, yeah, besides the Bruins, NHL, like, do we have any other closing thoughts, anything related to the show as we sort of wind down here? LeBron a fraud. Yeah, I knew, knew, I knew you were going to say that. Um, Basketball. Go Taco Fall, right? Yeah. <laughs> two-way. Go Taco Fall. He's on that two-way deal. Yeah, I'm going up to Maine this year for a game, no doubt. <laughs> cap. Nah. <laughs> yeah. Zero cap on that. <laughs> oh, cap. <laughs> uh, but... Look out for Vincent Poirier. I think he could be low-key, one of your better big men. But I'm asleep on that take. Okay. Sleep. But <laughs> anyways, yeah, we'll do more Celtics talk once they actually start their season. That's, a, what, a week away now? They're blowing everyone out in the preseason. Yeah, They blew up the Cavs in the preseason. I don't count that as a blowout. Aren't the Cavs the worst team in the league? They might be. Easily. They might be. Gordon Hayward, best player in the league. Fendi. Big fat. So much cab. Big drafted in the first round <laughs> of <our> fantasy league. <laughs> but yeah, uh, we'll get more Celtics and basketball talk going forward as the season gets underway, and more Bruins talk as their season, you know, really kicks into high gear. But yeah, I think that's I think that's all we got for today, guys. Good show. Ride the motor lock, baby. Don't listen to the anonymous caller. Yeah. <laughs> Big facts. I don't know, man. I like. I do like the Mason Ramsey singing the anthem, though. <laughs> I do like Mason That's Ramsey huge. singing the anthem. That's serenading the Chargers. That's what I'm doing. <laughs> Jags minus three and a half. Book it.
We out here. You know we out here. Bills minus 17. Lock of the century. Not as confident in that one. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't like the Dolphins. You what? What? Don't like the Dolphins. Oh, really? <laughs> I mean, that's a hot take. <laughs> totally. <laughs> the trash. <laughs> I mean, you're not wrong. I was just going to say, I don't think they're going to cover, backdoor cover, because they don't score in the second half. Sorry to bring off the country rooms. It's okay. I I forgive you. I forgive you. We'll come. Um, but with that, we're all done here. Listen next week at Tuesday, 5 to 7 p.m. on 91.5 WBIM Radio. It is the Mouth and Off Sports Show, hosted here, Dan Sadik, alongside with Jonathan Sullivan and Zach Lacey. Thank you all for listening. We'll see you next week, and have a great night. Growing like a breeze, country roads, take me home to the place. Yesterday, country road.